0: Have you ever wondered why? What is the meaning of life? Why are you here? What is your purpose? Why do you exist? Why is the world the way it is? Why are there things in this world that are, that are broken? Why are there things in this world that are amazing? Why? If you've ever wrestled with the question of why, we're about to embark on a series about a story the one story that actually matters most, the one story that answers the why to all of these questions and more. So I invite you to join us over the next few weeks as we embark on the one story that really matters. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we open up Scripture today and, and look at the one story, I pray that you would reveal to us what we need to hear the most as individuals but also as your church as we unpack the one story that impacts each and every one of us and our families and our homes and our purpose, Lord, I pray that we would see in the midst of that what we need to hear from you. Open our hearts to receive what we need to hear the most. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you would know, if you've been journeying with us for a little while, about a month ago, I caught the rona. I... am. Um, I caught the coronavirus I was in bed for about 5 days prior to that my eldest son caught it and I caught it off him and so we're on the second week of this when I when I caught it so we're 2 weeks in and as you know I am such a a patient passive kind of person I love to sit still inside like like by the time I caught it, I was over isolation again. I'm wanting to do stuff, and then, then I'm sick. Oh, like, come on. Um, I just want to get stuff done. And so I'm, I'm tearing my hair out being crook and not being able to be active. And so I had a little bit of birthday money burning a hole in my pocket. And I'm looking to do something with my energy, and so I thought a little bit of retail therapy might help with my recovery. <gasps> and so I ordered online... This awesome Black Beauty, the Dodge Charger, the Lego charger from the Fast and Furious, like the wheels turn, whoop, 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 so, doors and like yeah, and then, it's got pistons that move in the engine. Like this thing's just awesome. So, I mean I mean, yeah, yeah, that is. <laughs> anyway, I was actually really sick when I started putting this together. I remember by the time I, I was getting towards the end, I was actually like oh, must finish charger. Like I was Anyway, it's been a long time since I had to put together Lego, and that took me (laughs) a solid half day, but it was worth it. But a couple of times in the process of of building this Lego masterpiece, (laughs) I made some mistakes. Some of the bits didn't line up. And I had to sort of look at the instructions and go back to the, the point where I messed up, and then then I'd flip back through the instruction and go, ah, oh, that's what, I see where they went wrong. They didn't make that clear enough to me. <laughs> and and you go right, and you'd fix it, and then, then everything else would line up. And sometimes I actually think that's a little bit like us in life. Sometimes when we look at the problems that we have in life, we actually have to go back to the instructions and look at the start and look at the very beginning to, to see, well, where do these bits line up? Why do these bits sit where they sit? Sometimes we don't even know the ending, but we know that if we start to line up with the the way that it was intended, look at the instructions, look at the beginning of the process, then we actually see where things go wrong, and we see where things need to align to get the desired outcome. We're going to look over the next few weeks at the story, the one story, the one story that matters the most. It's part of our vision series for the year. And in this story, we're going to see our purpose, our purpose, the the why that God put us here and what we're meant to to be living, how we're meant to be living, who we're meant to be living for. But to do that, we've got to look at the start. We've got to look at the Emmanuel. We've got to go to the very beginning. And so today, if you've got your your Bible with us, with you, it'll be on the screen too. We're going to read some passages from the very beginning of God's Word found in the, the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis is uh, the first book in the Bible, and it talks about creation. It's in what we call the Old Testament. The Old Testament is prior to when Jesus walked the earth. So there's the Old Testament before Jesus and the New Testament. And the New Testament, the new telling, is of when Jesus walked the earth. So this is the very start. If you're new to faith or your journey, I actually encourage you to start in the New Testament. Start with Jesus. The Old Testament also is incredible, and you'll get to it. But today we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. In verse 1 it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Awesome start. You may have even heard that before. Our grade 3 and 4s uh, that, are, that are studying today in our kids' ministry, they actually have um, a question box where they write questions and put it in, and the leaders go to answer it. And, and some of the questions that come out of that question box, um, we know because as a staff, they end up coming to staff, When some of the kids' leaders are like, Ugh. so they come to us, and then we go. <laughs> awesome. One of the questions that came up recently was, um, if, if God was God, and then there was the beginning, how long was the gap in between? <laughs> Good question. Another one was, you know, who who created God? These are great questions. These are grade threes and fours. So we're talking sort of eight to ten-year-olds asking these questions, wrestling through the things of faith. Anybody want to sign up for kids, men? (laughs) In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That's actually a really important part, and we're going to get to that next week. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and that word good is also important. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. And he separated the the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning, the first day the first day, evening, and morning, the first day. Now, one of the questions that we we get from our amazing three-fours is who created God? Even even in that question, the concept of the question is a concept of time, isn't it? Who created? Like, where where did he begin? And a beginning means that there's a time frame. We see, actually, in the beginning, God. And one of the first things God created was time. We had only one gentleman that turned up very early for our morning service today. Speaking of time, daylight savings. (laughs) But God created time. God is actually outside of time. It's one of the beauties of of having a God that we worship. He is bigger than us. He is greater than us. We can't actually understand him fully, and that's a good thing, because if we can understand him, well, maybe we could be like him, and we could be God. But if he's bigger than us outside of time, then we actually worship someone who is greater and more powerful than us. And one of the first things that he created was time, this concept of time. Now, we, we fast-forward a little bit in Genesis chapter 1, and we'll pick the story up in verse 27. And so God has made, in the, in the meantime, God has made all the, the land and the, the mountains and the sky and the sea and the fish and the birds and the animals and the plants... Verse 27, then God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Now, the word subdue is actually worth pulling apart a little bit. And when I think of the word subdue, the best analogy I can think of, being a a kid that grew up in the country Victoria, is a sheep. (laughs) Well... Anybody that's worked with sheep are giggling already. Sheep aren't the smartest animals. Now, it's not, this word subdue doesn't mean dominate, oppress, stop, you know, hurt. Yeah, that's not what subdue means. But a sheep, if, if a sheep is left to its own devices, just left out in the middle of nowhere to roam freely, what ends up happening is the wool gets bigger and bigger, and the wool keeps growing to the point where the wool becomes too much for the animal to bear and the legs give way, and the animal will die. So to benefit the sheep, you need to subdue it. You need to, to look after it. You need to, to, to get it to a place where you can take off the wool so that it can continue to live the way that it was designed to live, to grow more wool and to, to go off. And so subdue is not to, to limit. Subdue is actually to care and maintain so it can thrive. I keep trying to subdue the rose bushes in our home, and the more I subdue them at the base, <laughs> they keep growing. I'm not trying, I'm not letting them run wild and crazy. I'm subduing, but the more, if anyone knows anything about roses, I could really use some help. But um, the more you try and cut them down, you know, I, I might say kill, but the more you try and cut them down, the, the more they thrive. And subdue is, is, is just that caring for so that they can thrive, not trying to kill a So we're called to subdue. And God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it and it will be yours for food. And to all the beasts on the earth and the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground and everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food and so it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Very good. God's design for creation wasn't just good, but his masterpiece, the plan for his creation, knowing that he's made all the birds and all the fishes and all the the animals and everything else. And then the last thing he made, his crowning jewel, was he created humanity. And when he finished making creating humanity, he looks back and goes, it is very good what I've made. Very good. Not just good, but very good. Because there was a plan and a design for it. Now, I want you to understand when it comes to creation, there's three trains of thought. The first one, we've sort of read some of it today, and it's a a very literal understanding of Scripture. That in six days, God created the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested as an example for us to rest and also a day of worship to look back on what he's made. And so on six days he created, seven days he rest. Each day is a literal day. And that's called the creationist understanding of creation. Creative names. The second understanding is called theistic evolution. And the word theistic means that God designed, God is in control. And so the theistic evolution is that that each day in the the passage of Genesis actually represents a span of time. And it's more written as a poetic piece where one day might have been X amount of years. However, God is still in control. God designed, God created. The third theory for creation is an atheistic uh, evolution. Now, atheistic means there is no God. And so somewhere there's a big bang in the universe at a certain amount of time, and everything that's happened through evolution over the billions and billions of years happened by random chance and sort of this idea of natural selection. And so there's these sort of three theories at play. Now, the two theories that have God in the mix can sometimes raise some heated debates. I witnessed one a loving heated debate in the foyer after our last service, (laughs) which is great because we're answering the question, why? And the people loved each other and they left loving each other and they had different viewpoints. I want you to to totally understand, and I'm going to stand, I'll view my viewpoint um, and then talk about the other a little bit because I actually think it's okay to hold different viewpoints on some of these topics. As long as God is God... And as long as God is sovereign, it's okay to actually have conversations as we we move from what is an inherited faith often to owning our faith. Now, I I believe in creation. I believe God did it in six days because my God can do that. Now, I I had to do a huge wrestle in my early 20s when a Christian biology teacher was talking about evolution and it messed me up. It really did for a long time to the point where it's like, how can you be a Christian? And that actually took me a while to sort of mellow my my attitude. Now I've got a lot of incredibly smart Christian friends in the field of science and um, geology who are theistic evolutionists. They they understand a a science that I can't wrap my head around, but only God could be in the creation. Only God could be in the process. Only God could be in the formation. Because if you're going to make a cow at some time over a billion years, and you're going to have a... A boy cow and a girl cow, well, that, that's a lot of random selection and a lot of chance and a lot of, only God could craft that. Only God could do that. Only God could turn one thing into another and and mold that. And, and only God could be in that. And there's a part of me that totally respects that. It's like, wow, that is a powerful God. But I still stick with my understanding, but I totally respect other viewpoints. I think it's really healthy to have some of these conversations from time to time To share different viewpoints. Uh, And at the end of the day, coffee still tastes the same. You know, (laughs) you can have these debates, the coffee's not going to change. What can sometimes change, though, is your understanding of how God sees you. And that's the ultimate goal of wrestling with some of these topics a little bit. We move on a little bit in Scripture, though. So we see that the God has created. What we agree on with the Christian perspective is that in the beginning, God created. And there's a, there's a pattern to this creation. And there's a purpose to this creation. But then when we, we look at Scripture, we, we turn to the the ch- second chapter. And we see that, that when God created, anytime you, you have something that's created for relationships, there's sort of rules involved. And rules are a good thing. And we see in Scripture that God sets rules not because he wants to oppress, you know, the whole idea of caring for the sheep. It's not to oppress the sheep, but to give the sheep a long, healthy life. And God sets rules in motion. Like, often when we read the Ten Commandments or the Ten Rules that God gives us for life, which is found in Exodus chapter 20, they're actually really good rules. They're not meant to oppress us. Like, do not murder like, it's a good rule. It's not like, Duh, suck all the fun out of life, you know. Really wanted to murder today. Yeah, like, it's, it's not meant, to, like, the rules are a good thing. They're a framework because of the consequences. You know, and of course we wouldn't have done this, you know, this generation. You know, but, but maybe when you were younger, you maybe told a lie. And then somebody'd question you on the lie. And how do you cover up a lie? <laughs> With a lie. You know, and another and another. And, and we read that the rules, you know, don't give false testimony. Don't lie. And, and it's, it's a good rule. It, it's good. It actually creates for honest conversations. It, it, you don't have to cover it up. So, so the rules that God gives us are there for a purpose. They're not to limit us, but to give us a life to the full. And we see that the God has created Adam and Eve, humanity, for a purpose, to have relationship with them. And he says, you know what? You can eat from any tree in the garden. Let's, let's read it. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, it says, And the Lord God commanded man, you are freed from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. You can eat from anything, but if you eat from that tree, you're going to die. Here's a rule, here's a consequence. It's not just a slap on the wrist, it's a pretty major consequence. You'll die. Now, I wonder if you've ever asked the question, why? Why? You see, I think underneath it is, you see, God has given us free choice You can choose because God wants a relationship with us. Now, it's not a relationship if you don't have choice, if you don't choose to have the relationship. So God has given us free choice, but what he wants is for us to choose him and to choose his ways. We are made in his image, and we we are called to live the way that he wants us to live. But what happens? We want to live our way. We want the knowledge of good and evil. We want to make our own choices. We want to to choose for ourselves rather than submitting to our creator. And God says, if you eat from this tree, if you choose these things rather than sitting under what I choose for you, there's going to be consequences because you're going to make bad choices. And if you choose something that's not from me, well, you're no longer perfect, very good, and you can't be with me equals death. In Genesis chapter 3, we read this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? Like Really? Yeah, sure, there's a little wriggle room in there. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from any tree in the garden but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. She knew. She knew the rules. She knew the boundaries. She knew the consequence. Yeah, you will certainly die. Sure, you sure? The serpent said to the woman, but you know, for God knows that if you eat, then your eyes will be open and you'll be like God knowing good and evil. And so the woman, woman went and saw that the fruit of the tree was good and pleasing to the eye, but also desirable for wisdom. And this is where the, the, the separation between humanity and God comes because all of a sudden she wants to make the choice. She wants to, to refuse God's will and refuse God's commandment and make her own choices. She took some, and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. He's with her. There's no voice in there saying, no, 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 no. He's with her. He ate it as well. It's a team effort. And ever since, we've been trying to make choices for ourselves, haven't we? We've been going, yeah, God, I know that's, I know it's in here. I know, you know we feel it. We see the Spirit. We get wise counsel, but you know... Surely we can make our own choice. Surely I know the better way to design this than the instructions. Surely, surely we've been messing up. And in doing so, we reject God. We call this separation from God in Scripture. um, In the Bible, it's called sin. And it's the big problem with the world. It's why bad things happen. Sin is when, when we make choices to try and do things our own way instead of choosing God's way. It's kind of like this story that we're, we're trying to understand. We go, you know what, I know there's probably one story and that could be the story that God set out, but I want my own story. There's millions of stories and my story is the most important because I want to make my own choices. I want to do what's right for me instead of submitting to the one. Where are we going with this? It's not, not real. This is not like a yay kind of message part, isn't it? It's, like it's not feeling so good about ourselves. We're going to get to how God fixes the problem of sin next week. But there's actually some incredible takeaways if we go back and revisit what we've read so far. You see, there's three versions of creation, one with God, or two that had God and one that doesn't. If we were to look, and this is something that happened in about sort of the 70s and 80s, a mathematician started to do the, the, the mathematical equation based on what was happening in, in biology and stuff? of What are the chances of evolution creating a human being? What, what are the chances? If, if we do the maths and, and go, you know, like the, you just do that, and oh man, all the things in your hand, and the, the bones, and the tendons, and the blood, and the feelings, and the nerve ending, and like what, what, what are the chances that, that a human could be created mathematically from a random Big Bang? in the middle of the universe somewhere. What, what does that mathematical equation look like? And it caught a bit of controversy, this, this sort of thing. It was, they, they called it the junkyard t- tornado. And, and this, is, this is the equation up on here. It says, if you took a tornado that ran through a large junkyard, the mathematical equation would be the same chances a, as a Boeing 747 flying out the other side. Tornado? plus junkyard equals Boeing 747. That's the mathematical equation of a human life coming from nothing, of randomness, of of no design, just just randomness, the mathematical equation. Now, the pushback in the scientific world was, well, that doesn't take into account natural selection, survival of the fittest, which is correct. The, The mathematical equation doesn't take that into account, but then this is math's and maths is maths. So the mathematical equation still holds up, because it's just the numbers. So the numbers of mathematics, human life, the equation is the same chances of you sitting here today is the same as watching a tornado go through a large junkyard and fully form a working, operating Boeing 747. I can't even use the toilets in one of those things, let alone understand the the complexity of the entire plane. Like, wow. Wow. Which leaves us with two choices. If God didn't create you, you are random. There is no purpose. You are a, a lucky freak of nature. Because somewhere in the universe a spinning glob of mass about the size of a large orange went bang for some reason that we don't understand. And from that, it formed all matter in the entire universe. And from that matter, life was created because of heat and and energy and we're not quite sure, but it turned into some living organism microscopic creature that then through survival of of mutation over billions and billions and billions of years started to form different things like eyes and lungs and hands and fingernails and different species and some could fly and some could swim and then brains and capacity and size which means this you are an accident. Survival of the fittest means you need to get the most out of this life because there is nothing after it. Your, your chance that you're here. Really, you're just a lucky mistake. Or, there's an alternative. And the alternative is what we actually read in Scripture. And the alternative is this, you are not an accident, even if your mum and dad said that you were. (laughs) You are not an accident because you were designed. You were designed by the creator. You were designed for a purpose. In the beginning, God created you in his image, What does that mean? It means that we are created to create. God created a being with a soul that would live for eternity. And we, humanity, male and female, can make children with a soul that lives for for eternity. We are created to create. But more than that, we are creative because we are built in the image of a creative God. All you have to do is look at a like a poodle, and go, man, that is a creative little thing. <laughs> like, that is a weird... I was playing with a poodle yesterday, and it's like, there are dogs, and then there is that. I don't know what it is, but it, it's not like a... It was licked, Like, its tongue was the size of my like, fingernail. Like, One of our kids' leaders has a dog called Hank, which is about the size of a small horse. And it wanted to play the other day, and it would like, you know, do the let's put my hand in your mouth playing. Like its mouth this long. It's like, like, please don't bite. (laughs) Like, creative. How many species of animals? Like, this is a creative God. And we are created to be creative. I'm going to sing you out again, Nathan, even though you're sitting up the back this time. Um, Nathan, and I know, guys, it's your last week, and we're going to pray for you after the service, but, but Nathan is such a creative guy. And he's been serving on our coffee ministry for, 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 like, ages. But in that, like, he creates, and I know he creates coffee, and that's like a worship experience in itself. <laughs> but what he brings is his creative design into what he does. Often you see that there'll be a sign up, you know, today we're doing whipped cream on hot chocolates or we're, we're doing sprinkles on something or we're doing a caramel latte macchiano picchiano, piccolo flute. I don't know. Um, like some incredible thing. And it's like, man, because he is creative and he uses the gifts and his God-given passion to serve others and he puts into everything that he does because of who God has made him to be. He'll hate that I'm saying this too, by the way. He hates being singled out. We love you, man. We're going to miss you. But we are created to be creative because you're not an accident. You are loved. You may not feel it, but you are loved because God made you. And God doesn't make accidents. When God made you, you are good. Actually, you are very good. And yes, this issue of sin steps in and and we mess up. But God's design is good. Yes, we have sin in the world and that's what we experience. You don't have to watch five minutes of the news to see that. But you are loved. You are created for a relationship. We even heard over communion that, that God just walked with his creation in the garden in relationship with one another. And because God created you for a purpose, you are loved, you have a relationship, that you have purpose on this earth. I want you to know that you are not an accident. God has a plan. There is a story that is so much greater than the story that we try and make for ourselves. And when we align with his story, the one story that matters most, we have purpose. Yes, we're going to mess up. And we're going to hear about how God fixes that in the next part of the story next week. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you created us. We thank you that you created this world. And God, thank, we thank you that when you created us, And you created the world that it was very good. God, right now, I pray that we would understand that we are not a mistake. That we have purpose. And we have a purpose because you created us for it. And Lord, while we live in a broken world because of sin, I pray that we would be able to understand that even in the midst of that, you made a way. Help us to understand the way that you see us with loving eyes as your children. And help us to glimpse the story that you have for all of your creation. A story that is very, very good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.